Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number 113. It's all about emotional intelligence with the EQ gangster himself, Noble Givens. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I want to thank you for being here. Really, thank you. Thank you for time to listen to this podcast. This is a podcast for our journey of discovery. What I'm trying to figure out is, you know, we are to discuss about mental health, self-improvement, parenting, being a dad. We're just trying to be a better overall person. And you listening means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if it's your first time, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you find this podcast interesting, share with a family or friend. Get the word about the podcast. Say, listen, hey, this great podcast I like to listen to, and I really want to share with you. Share it. Get me poor people listening, and more people hear about it, more people talk about it, and more people will enjoy the content. Next up, my interview with Noble Gibbons, former West Point grad, Army Ranger, veteran, also business coach, entrepreneur, certified emotional intelligent practitioner. That's a lot to say, actually. Podcaster, homeschool dad, father, husband. It's funny. When you look at him with all the tattoos, because I got to see him in a video when we did the interview, tattoos and beards, you seem to wonder, what does this guy know about emotional intelligence? You know, we all have an emotional origin story. You know, when we're five years old or six years old, and, you know, we have traumas. We have little traumas to big traumas through all, all lives. And it's how we deal with it. We talk about dealing with people who have no boundaries. I know that. I know that. This is a little longer episode than I normally would do it, but I, there was a conversation that was really good, a lot of good stories and interchange about information about emotional intelligence, boundaries, and stuff like that. Also, a little disclaimer before this episode, I mean, before the interview, if you were dealing with any mental health issues, depression, emotional trauma, and stuff like that, seek out professional help. It's very important. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no stigma. There's nothing. I know some men, well, some guys, ah, I'm, I'm no problem. I can deal with this. Well, you know what? Sometimes you need to talk to somebody. It's important. And there's nothing wrong with it, and there should be no stigma with it. I'm not a doctor. Noble is a certified emotional intelligence practitioner or EQ guy, but it's important you seek out professional help. Noble shares a lot of good information, and we had a great conversation, let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Noble. Hey, thank you, Joe. It's great to meet you again, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Well, thank you, Ian. I really do appreciate it. I'm, I'm kind of like that EQ gangster. What is an EQ gangster? I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that like, the sign. Nobody can see it, but there's letting up like that. But how'd you come up with EQ Gangster? <laughs> so there are, you know, there are quite a few folks in this space, even though it's still, I feel, a, a budding industry and, and, you know, still lots of room to grow. There are not too many bald, bearded, big, tattooed guys in the space. <laughs> and so one of my, one of my friends says, Bro, when I ever talk about you or your podcast, he said, I always call you, dude, this guy is a gangster on EQ. And I'm like, he's like, dude, you got to be the EQ gangster. So I said, wow, that's great. Let me, let me write that. So that's how it came about. Well, it's interesting, too, is about emotional intelligence. What is EQ? Yeah, for sure. EQ uh, uh, literally is emotional quotient, which a lot of times is also just interchanged with emotional uh, intelligence. And so they're, they're very interchangeable EQ or EI both refer to emotional intelligence. And, and it, and the, how I would define that is the ability to identify process and manage your own emotions and also the emotions of others. So it's in this four main areas, categories of it, kind of in an industry standard, there's a lot of different industry, um, emotional intelligence models, but the kind of the, the Daniel Goleman, OG of emotional intelligence had four main uh, uh, areas or aspects, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management. 
you know what? I can tie that into something right now. Snowboarding. I mean, no, you. Oh. I saw. I, I was looking up more preparing for this interview, and I noticed some pictures of snowboarding. I I can see self awareness, self management, social awareness. Because I don't want to crash into anybody. Management of feelings. Because when you go snowboarding, I know that I'm. I'm just from my experience getting a little bit too cocky on the on the uh, trail. I'm like, oh, this is a blue green. I could do this, and the trail always always humbles me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, no, you're exactly right. It takes it takes it takes self awareness and self management and social awareness and me, man, even sometimes social management on the slopes. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> That's right. Well, you live in Colorado, so I know there's a lot of good snowboarding places out there. Oh, we love it. We've been here for two years now, and we've we've got in on both seasons. And because we're a homeschool family we go during the week. And so we miss the big weekend crowds and the weekend rushes and the weekend long, long lines of people. So we go up like on a Wednesday, come back on a Thursday. We, we snowboard all day on Wednesday, snowboard all day on Thursday, and then come back. It's only, we're like about two and a half, three hours from, from any of the, the main <laughs> slopes. And so we just love it. Very thankful. Well, yeah, but we, I live where I live in New Hampshire. We go a little bit north or mean that we have a little bit of nice slopes out there, but I've always, as a snowboarder, I haven't done it in a long time, probably like over 20 years. I actually know probably a lot longer than that. But I remember going to New Hampshire, and, oh, it'd be a dream to go out to Colorado where the powder is and stuff like that. I mean, we get, we get some good snow up here and there's some good trails, but Colorado would be kind of fun. I, mean, I, I can also remember being on the trails when they didn't like snowboarders. We weren't even like, we were like, almost like, you, you, what were you doing here? <laughs> right. It's probably like the skate, the early skateboarders back in the day. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, um, we, yeah. We, we love snowboarding. My daughter and I, she's 13. My daughter and I snowboard and then my wife skis. Yeah. I'm just not that coordinated. I, I'm sorry. I can, I can handle one thing. I can fall on my butt, right. but <laughs> handling, right. it's like handling my emotions. I have a hard time dealing. <laughs> That's right. I, I got to deal with two, two, um, two skis and two poles and trying to coordinate them and not crash into anything. Right. That's right. I'm with you. I like, I, I like snowboarding. Now, that being said, I'm not a fancy snowboarder by any means. I'm a, I'm a greens, maybe an occasional blues in there, and I do no tricks. <laughs> My goal is get from the top of the mountain, bottom mountain, when I'm falling and breaking something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. At my age, I'm the same way, Joe. I'm the same way. Well, thank you much again. But we'll talk about social, um, emotional intelligence, actually. And I found it, I found it fun fascinating to the, that topic. How did you get involved in it? Great question. So the, the story is, so my mom is a four foot ten little Hispanic lady. And my <laughs> dad was a big, giant white guy. So he was like 6'3", 6'4", 285. He was an ER doctor, very quiet, very calm, very chill guy. My mom, again, uh, very, we call her the Tasmanian angel and also <laughs> the, the energizer bunny. So in our house, growing up as a kid, we used to yell and scream at each other and we'd stomp off into our respective corners of the house, come back and act like nothing happened. Hey, how's the weather? What's for dinner? How'd the bears do today in, in football? But we would, we would not talk ever about how, you know, we, we'd have no conflict resolution. We would never apologize. We would never discuss emotions and feelings. And so I learned very early on how to stuff and avoid my, my feelings and emotions. And so, which led to a whole cascade of, of emotional issues, just that decision or that doing that thing alone, stuffing and avoiding just led to a lot, a host of other problems and issues. And what happens is, when you and that's where we learn our, our emotional foundation starts out starts out in childhood. How many people do you know ever learn how to deal with emotions and feelings in our childhood? Most people don't, and so and especially folks my age and our in my generation, not many people ever learned how to deal with feelings and emotions in my generation. And so and of course when you have and my parents didn't learn that stuff. That's why I didn't get taught it. And so. You don't typically teach what you weren't taught. And so, boom, growing up, so that, that was my whole childhood, stuffing and avoiding. And then I go off to West Point. We're definitely not talking about feelings <laughs> and emotions there. And then I went to Ranger School, which is the Army's elite weight loss program, is what <laughs> I call it. Then I went to Airborne School and, and stationed in the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg. 
we're not as an infantry officer, we're not talking about feelings and emotions there. Then I get in business and, and became an entrepreneur, you know, two decades as an entrepreneur. And what happened was two, two things happened. In one of our business ventures, we came across a very hardcore narcissist. And I had never been exposed to narcissism before, or, or at least I, didn't, I wasn't aware of narcissism before. But this guy was just loved controlling and manipulating people. Everyone around him was kind of seen as, or viewed as, and treated as like his minions. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel good at all to be on the receiving end of this guy, this narcissist. And about the same time, in a, in a separate, you know, totally nothing to do with that first, the first thing, I yelled at my wife three times in three weeks. And she said, and after 20 years of marriage, and she said three things, noble, number one, don't ever do that again. <laughs> number two, you've never done that before, which means number three, you got more issues than Time Magazine. <laughs> and, so, and so we went to counseling because I'm like, hey, you're right. I don't know what's going on. So we went to counseling and this counselor introduced me to this revolutionary new concepts, Joe, called feelings and emotions. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what is, is this cuss words? Like what are feelings and emotions, man? What are you talking about? And what happened was, so as a little kid, when I, so, so, so now let me give you the arc the trajectory of that story. Emotionally, what happened was, as a kid, since I started out stuffing and avoiding my emotions, it started out as a cute, furry little emotional monkey. The more after emotional injury, after emotional injury, after emotional injury, after emotional injury, they build on each other and they compound. One of my things that I say on my podcast all the time is unaddressed emotional issues do not get better over time. They actually compound. And so as those emotional injuries compounded, 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 Think, think about this, Joe. I was doing four decades of stuffing and avoiding. Well, what that cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey turned into was an 800-pound gorilla that I could no longer stuff in the basement. And once that guy got to 800 pounds and I could no longer keep him locked in the basement, which I had been doing for my entire life, he got out and started swinging emotionally at you know those around me. And, and it, what it looked like was, now, it looks different for everybody. It, for me, it looked like yelling at my wife three times in three weeks. It also looked like I, be, I was a people pleaser addict mm-hmm. uh, for, my, my, for my entire life. I was a, I've been a food addict for my entire life. So those were ways that that 800-pound emotional gorilla expressed itself in my life were, were a few of those different ways. One thing I want to touch upon is something you said is stuffing and avoiding. What did you mean by that? Great question. So I've... I call it the four emotional deadly sins is kind of what I call it. There's four things that are not good to do emotionally. One is stuffing, two, avoiding, three, stewing, four, brooding, stuffing, avoiding, stewing, and brooding. So stuffing is, is just stuffing the emotion. Like you're, you're feeling some sort of, of, of emotion. It could be anger. It could be frustration, disappointment, sadness, rejection. Uh, uh, heck, happiness. It could be any any emotion that that you're either not familiar with, uncomfortable with, and you just stuff it. You just you just bury it deep down inside your emotional basement, in or in an in emotional vault, and you just you, you just lock it up. Another thing is uh, um, is avoiding. Where and here's another thing too, because I've been a people pleaser addict. I would avoid conflict, right? So how another way that my stuffing and avoiding played out in my life was avoiding conflict at all costs, which led to me being taken advantage of a bunch of times. And I was a nice guy because I was a people pleaser addict. And so I would avoid feeling any emotions. I didn't, any, as soon as I felt emotions, I would, again, let me get rid of this emotion. I don't want, I want to block it off. I want to compartmentalize it so that I don't have to think about it or process it. So I would avoid feeling that particular emotion and, and then stewing is where you're just you're just sitting in in this emotion, but it's but you're not dealing with it productively. You're just you're just marinating and marinating. And I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. And you're not productively handling with or dealing with that particular emotion. And you just stew and brood is what happens a lot of times. It just turns into this spiral, this downhill spiral 
uh, uh, that that it originally starts out at this little, you know, the the uh, a little st- pebble in your shoe, and that pebble in your shoe ends up wrecking your whole foot because you never dealt with that pebble in the shoe. Brooding can can turn into this. I know for me, man, I've turned a mouse turd into a mountain (laughs) because of just stewing and brooding. So those are what I call the four deadly, emotionally deadly sins of of stuffing, avoiding, stewing, and brooding. What was interesting too is um, you said you're a a recovering or recovering people pleaser addict. I can say I'm a little bit like that too. What did you like? Can you give me an example? How'd you figure that out? Yeah, absolutely. So so a, a couple things, again, not being able to, again, from childhood, I didn't know any other thing than stuffing and avoiding my emotions. And, and my mom is a, this amazing, she's still alive. My dad passed away 11 years ago. My mom's still around and she's still the Energizer Bunny, the only <laughs> grandma I know that wears out the grandkids. Like the grandkids are like, grandma, please put us to bed. Because my mom is like a, a party in a person, like just have her show up and it's party time. and so. So I saw how she, and she loves people. And, and, and now, unbeknownst to me, she also, I, I believe, has some people-pleaser uh, 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 addiction or tendencies as well. So I saw this behavior, and I saw how much she loves people. And I saw the impact of how she treats and loves people, the impact on the people. And mm-hmm. I saw how it made them feel like, man, well, I want to. I want to do that too. I want to make people feel that way also. But my mom and our family, we also one of the consequences of not being emotionally mature and having a lower emotional intelligence is having no boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we had no family boundaries. We had no personal (laughs) boundaries. And so we would always, my mom would always help a whole bunch of people out. They'd take advantage of her. She wouldn't care. She'd still take care of them, even though they're mistreating her and taking advantage of her. In, in different situations and stuff. And same thing with my dad. He had no boundaries either because he just loved people as well. And so I saw kind of this behavior. I didn't see the unhealthy aspects. I only saw the healthy, oh, I say healthy, but I saw the impact that it had on other people. And so I started to pick up these tendencies. But again, because I had no boundaries, no emotional boundaries and no emotional maturity because I just stuffed and avoided my emotions, I started to seek out the approval and validation of other people for my identity and who I was. So as long as Joe Foley likes me (laughs) and approves of me and validates me, then today is going to be a good day. But God forbid, if Joe doesn't like me or doesn't approve of me, then my whole world is wrecked today. And so but you can't you can't live like that because you're never going to make everyone happy. And so to 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 have your identity wrapped around whether or not someone likes you or approves of you or you know in today's cancel culture, oh man, if if I get canceled then that means I'm not I don't have value. No, that's that's ridiculous. Everybody has tremendous priceless value in who and how they were made and the skills that they bring to the world and the talents and the traits and the qualities. And so it wasn't until I started getting healthier emotionally and developed my emotional fitness program and got emotionally healthier that my people-pleasing addiction started to go away. The other thing I noticed was, and this is just a few years ago, Joe, when I started my own emotional growth journey about three or four years ago, four years ago now, I read this book by Urban Myers, a Hall of Fame football coach, Mm -hmm. he was college football coach, and, and, and uh, I think Florida, and he wrote this book called Above the Line. And it, mid- midway through the book, he, he kind of shares, hey, this is my leadership philosophy. And it just kind of struck me. I'm like, well, what's my leadership philosophy? Like, and I study, Joe, I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books on leadership and, you know, all this stuff for my entire life. And I thought, how can I not know or have my own personal leadership philosophy? But I realized when I went to West Point, I just took whatever West Point's leadership philosophy was. When I went to Ranger School, I took Ranger School. When I went to 82nd, here's the 82nd. I joined this business team. Oh, here's, here's their leadership philosophy. And, I, and because I was a people pleaser, I just took everyone else's thoughts, opinions on what leadership means and never developed my own leadership philosophy. So here's another way it shows up is, what do you like? Well, I don't know what I like. Well, what do you like, Joe? Oh, I like whatever Joe likes. 
what 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 a people pleaser looks like is like this is old school reference here, Joe Gilligan on Gilligan's Island, <laughs> so, right? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh no, that's a good idea. Oh no, that's a good idea, right? And you don't have your own thoughts, you don't have your own opinions, you don't have your own likes, your own dislikes, because you want to find out what everyone else thinks and likes before you come up with your own. Well, people pleasing thing it can also manifest. I think sometimes in relationships too, personal oh. relationships like husband and wife. Because you want, especially when things are going bad, you like, you know, you're in the the really thick of things and things are not looking good for the marriage and you do anything to kind of hold things together. So like, oh, honey, you you like this? I love it too. Or you like this? I love it too. Keep hold the relationship too. But I'm thinking too, is something when you're speaking about it too, as a parent, I know that my son, I'm, I'm, it's a little bit different for me than when it was when I was growing up, but. And, and and I want to make sure I'm there for him. I tell him I love him. I'm proud of him. I, I, I'm glad you're here because I'm, I'm a divorced dad myself. So when he's here, when I talk to him every night, I tell him I'm proud of him and stuff like that. Sometimes well, I think I'm still seeking approval. I'm like, I didn't have that. I, I come from a divorced family, come from a lot, of, a lot of abuse. But I also look at it too. I didn't get that when I was a kid. So I was always thinking I, I, can, I can relate to being a people pleaser person. Absolutely, Joe. And look, I'm sorry that you have been through all of that through your, you know, your childhood um, and, and on into, you know, adulthood, that stuff, you know, again, our, so much of our emotional foundation gets built it, during our childhood. So for you to have a, a, a rough uh, childhood, you know um, yeah. So number one, I'm, I'm, I am truly sorry, Joe, that you, that you, you know, you've been through the different experiences that you've been through that have, that have hurt you and injured you emotionally. And then how that has continued to play out in our lives. This is something, Joe, that a lot of guys don't realize, not just guys, but, but women too. I've been a coach for, for many, many years. And of, of every, of all the, the clients I've ever had, and I've, I've, I've worked with high school students to multi, multi-million dollar CEOs of, of companies. Mm-hmm. From, from teenagers to 60s and 70-year-olds, 100% of my clients, Joe, were exhibiting behaviors as an adult as a direct result of their childhood. So mm-hmm. I want to let you know you're not alone. Right? Mm-hmm. We, all, we all have behaviors that we do as adults as a direct result of our childhood. So I, that totally makes sense what you're saying that you know, you're, you're probably subconsciously trying to get approval from your son and trying to get approval from, from other people. I 100% get that. That again, that, that was me for 99% of my life up until a few years ago. Well, it's interesting too. I just, when you're speaking about that, it reminds me a little bit of childhood and, you know, always, cause I, I, I'm, I'm, I come up from a family of four kids and always trying to get mom's attention. So I'll either be a responsible one or I do a thing. So people please, and in, it's interesting to see when you're, when you're our age <laughs> and looking back on, oh man, that's where it started from. <laughs> that's exactly right. And Joe, that is so huge, man. Just even the connections you're making right now in your brain, that is literally the beginning of the emotional growth journey. The emotional healing process is just even making the connection of where did it come from? I call it the origin story of your emotional injuries, the, 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 of your behavior patterns. There's an emotional origin story, and it's so critical to make that connection from where did this come from? How did I, why am I behaving like this? And there's a reason, there's an emotional reason that most of us are not self-aware of where it came from. So making those connections, Joe, is the first step, man, and that's huge. Well, it's interesting too, is that I think as a parent myself is emotional intelligence do affect our parenting too. Oh, Joe, absolutely. I mean, and, and for the examples that you said, you know, wanting to get up and think about that, right? Cause I, I was the same way. I was absolutely the same way, Joe. I was trying to get validation and approval from my daughter. And I didn't even know, I, was, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was trying to make sure she was always happy and because she's an only child. And, and, you know, trying to make sure that, oh, everything's just right. And if she was upset, oh, man, how can I get her so she's not upset? And, and, and it was all this me trying to, you know, control and manipulate the environment around my daughter so that she was always happy. Well, 
that's not real life. That's not setting her up for success. And so it wasn't until like, here's another thing too. So my love language, so I'm not sure if there's a book called the five love languages and you know, the, the five love languages are, are gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch and acts of service. Those are the five love languages based on this book. And, and so my love languages are physical touch and words of affirmation. And so I would always give my daughter physical touch and words of affirmation. I'd always cuddle her on the couch. I'd always like to sit next to her. I'd always like to, to, to you know, put my arms around her. Well, as she, and I'd tell her how, how great she was and all this kind of stuff. And then as she got older, when she started to get like 11, she started to kind of push away. And it, man, it, again, for a people pleaser addict, it wrecked my world because <laughs> the emotion I felt, Joe, was rejection. And I told my wife, like, and I would get angry, Joe. I would get so angry because, again, inside, I was an emotional five-year-old because I hadn't grown my emotions my entire life. I was still, because I had all these injuries, a lot of times what happens is where, we, where and when we get injured emotionally, we don't grow past that if we have not taken the time to go back and heal that specific area. So I, I've been walking around as an adult, as an emotional five-year-old. And I'm sure many of us know people and may be the people that are like that as well. And so, I, I, and so my, my wife said, Noble, dude, you're trying to, you're trying to take this, the, you know, your love languages because of this people pleasing addiction. You, you need, you, you, you know, you, you need, and, she, and because she's getting older, she started to increase her boundaries, her personal boundaries. And if you, and she said this, man, my wife body slammed me with this one. She said this, <laughs> Noble, if you don't respect her boundaries, no other man will either. And it just blew. And I'm like, oh, snap. I have to change this and get this people-pleasing addiction healed and fixed. Because I, because it's not, and, and, and think about the responsibility. Think about the emotional responsibility, Joe that I am subconsciously placing on my daughter to, to meet my emotional neediness. Think about how unhealthy that is, Yeah. right? That's totally not, you know, I don't want to put that pressure on my daughter. That's not her responsibility. That's not quite frankly, that's not my wife's responsibility, right? I need to be emotionally healthy enough where, where I can be in relationship, but not be emotionally needy in that relationship because now that will be projected and it's exhausting. I'm sure you've probably been around people that are emotionally needy. It's overwhelming. And, and, and I was that guy. I was the one who was emotionally needy in every one of my relationships, which ultimately pushes people away when we're emotionally needy. It's just very interesting too. And stuff like that. I funny thing you say your daughter kind of pushes away a little bit. My son just turned eight, matter of fact. And, um, do you need my help? No. You, you all set? No. Um, yeah, we fell down and it happened actually yesterday where I dropped him off at camp and he's walking down with the, um, I don't know, the nurse counselor or whatever down yeah. to they meet the other people. And he falls down, he scrapes his knee, gets back up. I'm like, you okay? You okay? I'm fine. You're all set dad. See you later. Right. That's right. He's, he's starting to increase his boundaries. That's exactly what's going on. It's just interesting to watch as a parent and stuff like that. Cause my, my, like growing up is totally different. I mean, it, I mean, we, we grew up in a different era and sometimes when parents are busy or they, they don't have their own issues that they haven't dealt with or anything like that. And, um, they pass it on to us and then we pass it on to them. So That's I'm right. sometimes it's probably better to break the cycle if you can. Oh, Joe, Joe, hundred percent, man. That's why you see, that's why you see addiction or alcoholism or abuse generational, because if, if no one breaks that cycle in the family, that injury is going to continue down the family line. But that's why it happens, because that's all you I, look. I only knew stuffing and avoiding my emotions. How could I teach emotional intelligence and emotional maturity and emotional health to my daughter? when I don't have the first clue about emotional health and emotional intelligence. Right. So you can't teach what you don't know so when when a generation is emotionally unhealthy guess what that is going to get passed on until someone in that family line 
says, no, the buck stops with me. I'm taking ownership of my emotions and feelings, and I'm going to be healthy emotionally so I can raise emotionally healthy people. One of my favorite quotes, Joe, is if you, and I, this is from episode 59 on our podcast, I interviewed a guy, how to have an emotionally healthy family. And the quote he gave me, and it's body slammed me ever since. He said, if you don't deal with your emotional issues, your children will. Wow, that is a that is a, I'm kind of a kicking the pants on that one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's definitely interesting too. Like I'm like right now I'm looking at something called emotional intelligence. I, I, I if I could show it, I tell you, but it's high emotional intelligence and low emotional intelligence, and it, I found it kind of interesting too. Like high emotional intelligence except except self and others. Low emotional intelligence is not accepting self and others. Um, also can communicate assertively, uses passive or aggressive communication, display empathy and lack of empathy. That, that, that thing, the, the one before display empathy and lack of empathy, I'm not quite under sure what empathy is. Can I don't know if you know what it is? Absolutely. So I actually have a, um, I have a, uh, scientific and psychometric emotional intelligence assessment that I do with my coaching clients and also folks that are part of the EQ Mafia, which is our membership group. And there are this a psychometric and, and, and a scientific assessment actually breaks down those four main areas I told you before, right? Mm-hmm. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management into 15 different subscales. And one of those subscales in the interpersonal, there's, there's well, I don't want to go into too much detail, but let me, so let me answer your question. Empathy falls under a category of emotional intelligence in our life called interpersonal. And empathy is recognizing, understanding, and appreciating how other people feel. Empathy involves being able to articulate your understanding of another's perspective and behaving in a way that respects others' feelings. That's empathy. It's able to connect to them, be in their, in their place where they are at that moment. That's exactly right, Joe. That's exactly right. It's, like, it's, it's, it's interesting. I always find that fascinating. Empathy and emotional intelligence and stuff like that. Right now, I know emotional intelligence is also tied into a mental health. And that's a big deal right now, coming out of the, the pandemic and stuff like that. And I know mental health was important before, but I think it's more important now. Oh, Joe, absolutely. And here's the thing. And here's my disclaimer. So I'm no psychologist. I'm no psychiatrist. I'm no therapist. I'm no counselor. What what I have found is that just from my own personal experience is that most people have have, again, because of some of the dynamics that I've already shared, most people do not are number one are not very self-aware. One of the books I've read, 70 percent of people are not able to identify how they feel accurately in any given moment, 70%. Well, when you can't identify how you feel, when 70% of people are walking around having no idea how to actually identify how they feel in any given moment, there's a very good chance that their self-management or emotional coping mechanisms are not going to be healthy or productive. So that's why we've seen so much burnout, so much, 95% of, of, of people in the workforce are considering other jobs right now because of how they feel emotionally and being burnt out and looking for a better job situation that's going to kind of fit their, their lifestyle. The, the number, they, they've called this too, Joe, the silent pandemic. 99% of media is talking about the vaccine and the mask or not to mask. And, and I'm not going to say anything on, on either any of that stuff. But what I am going to talk about is the silent pandemic. What no one is talking about, Joe, addictions have gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. D- domestic abuse has gone through the roof. Depression has gone through the roof. Suicide has gone through the roof. Alcoholism gone through the roof. Our hospital in, in, in our town in Colorado Springs there's a big giant hospital called Springs that has declared a state of emergency for 10 to 18 year olds because the amount of depression and suicide among 10 to 18 year olds. Well, why is that? 
we're not emotionally healthy. We don't not know how to cope with, with all the stress and uncertainty and, and all the stuff that's going on. We don't have the, the emotional tools to cope and manage with the craziness and the chaos that's going on in our world today. Well, it's interesting too. I remember listening to that on the news and stuff like that about how kids are having a hard time adjusting when they're, when they're back to school now. Some will be going back to school full time in September. But I realized too, watching my son going back to school and how important those social interactions are. Learning, learning that social structure, learning, learning how to deal with people and how to uh, get along with people. It's interesting to watch. It's, it's, it is so huge. The, the social, our social network, and I don't mean, I don't mean social media, our social network has a, again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. It has a tremendous role and impact to play in our emotional and mental health. If, if we don't stay intentionally connected, like think about this, Joe, and we, we were, we're discovering this stuff. We are literally in a social experiment. <laughs> when you lock up social and relational human beings for a year plus, the consequences are catastrophic. There's every day there are new numbers of the number of deaths and addictions and depressions and stuff I already got in talking about. And so the importance of staying connected socially and relationally with, with our friends, our support network, our emotional social support network is, has never been more critical than, than in a time where the powers that be are saying, stay away from everybody, lock yourself up, don't go outside, right? Wear your mask, get vaccines, stay, you know, social distancing, all that stuff. The consequences of doing that emotionally and socially are tremendous that no one seems to be talking about for some crazy reason. Well, it's funny too. Like I, w- I was lucky. I was, I was considered essential. So I was working and um, I take a week of vacation and not really do anything. And um, I'm excited to go back to the, the, the four, the three guys I work with because I miss that social connection during That's the right. pan, during the temp pandemic. Um, I used to do a uh, ride share. I used to do ride share. Yep. And, um, you know, especially in, in that social connection, you know, when you go through a traumatic time, like a divorce, you lose that social connection with people. And when you go through that and I swear to God, it helped me through <laughs> that social connect with the five seconds. I get to interact with people, five minutes here, five minutes there, 20 minute drive here. I get to listen about fires in Australia, man, those social connections, it just, it's almost like feeding you food. That, that's right, Joe. Sometimes, sometimes I call it soul food, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it feeds that, that social relational uh, 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 dynamic that, that we have as humans is, 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 is critical. Now, here's where, here's where the danger is. The danger is, again, is coming from, from where I used to come from, from that emotionally needy, emotionally unhealthy perspective where I was, I was again, needing emotionally that validation and approval from, from other people for my identity. That's not healthy. So that's something to be careful of, but there's no question, Joe, that we need each other in our lives, period. For, and think about this, Joe, think about this. Why, what is the number one form of, I was going to say torture, but let's, let's <laughs> call it discipline for maximum security prisons, show? What do they do? Solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. And what have we been doing to everybody in the, in the, in the country and across the globe is, is solitary confinement in, in, in our homes. It's right? you know- you always like, I don't know, maybe it's the Hollywood. I don't know if real life. Cause I, I really don't know, but I'm, I'm wondering too, the mental status, you put somebody in the hole for doing something bad in prison. And when they come out, uh, we'll say 10 days and they're not any more better mental shape as they went when they went in. But again, I'm only going for what I see on TV. I don't know what's in real life, but I, I don't think it could be very helpful. 
absolutely not. They let them out for like an hour a day. No, it's, it's not helpful. Uh, and, and again, I have not done any research either. So, so, um, but I, I just know, okay, well, if, if there, there, there's gotta be a reason that they lock someone, they isolate someone, a relational social being for 23 hours a day for however length of time we've done it as a, as a nation and as a globe for a year, year and a half, and maybe going back to more of it. There's, I've got some friends in Australia, they're on their fifth lockdown. Oh, wow. I, got friends in, they're, I got friends in Canada. They're on, they, they just, they're, they're going through another lockdown. It is not emotionally healthy what we're doing to people by saying, stay away from each other. Let's lock everyone up in quote unquote solitary confinement. It's, it's not emotionally healthy. So, okay. Yeah. So people aren't dying of uh, less people are dying from COVID, but more people are dying from uh, depression, suicide, drug addiction, alcoholism, like at what point do we realize, okay, guys, we need to, we need each other. We need some sort of emotional connection, social connection here. This is not healthy to be locking people up like this. Well, it's interesting. As you said, alcoholism. It was funny, right? Right there during the, begin- the beginning of the pandemic and they were shutting everything down, they extended the hours of the um, liquor store. That was considered essential. I thought that was, wow. a str- like, that was a little bit strange. I mean, I understand that, you know, you're home, might have a couple of drinks, maybe re- relax here. But again, the rise of me- mental health issues with alcoholism. And it's funny thing, the biggest thing on the news before the pandemic was, um, was overdoses from fentanyl and all that other drugs up here. Um, overdosing. That was a huge thing. It's still a huge thing now, but you didn't hear much about it now because the pandemic kind of over overtaken a little bit. Right. That's right. Well, That's another, right. another thing too, you have a podcast. What is that about? So the reason we started the podcast was I, I told my wife after, so what happened was, so as soon as I started my emotional growth journey, right, so once my counselor introduced me to feelings and emotions, I started this emotional growth journey about two or three years into my emotional growth journey, I'm starting to get, you know, you know, uh, grow and heal all my, a bunch of my emotional injuries. And, 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 and then I had no idea, Joe, all these areas of my life slowly started to change and improve. My faith started to improve. My, my marriage started to improve. My parenting started to improve. My financial decisions, my business decisions, my fitness, I've lost 50 pounds. Oh, wow. People say, Oh, what diet are you using? My emotional fitness plan is what, and they're like, what? I wasn't emotionally healthy. So that's, I didn't realize that I was eating. That was my emotional coping mechanism. That's why I've done a hundred diets, Joe, not even kidding. I've done at least a hundred diets that all lasted maybe three days. If I was lucky, that's <laughs> if I was lucky. And, and, and now I've, I've kept it, I've kept it off for probably Man, uh, nine months now, which for me is an eternity. I've never, I've never kept off this weight for nine months. That's insane. So, and why? Because I'm emotionally healthier. I'm not needing. Now I still slip up every now and then, but not near what I what I used to be. But I'm not using food anymore as my emotional coping mechanism. Okay, so all these areas start to grow and change. So what happened was. I told my wife, I'm like, babe, I can't be the only emotionally clueless guy out there. There has to be other nobles out there. And so I said, babe, I know I'm going to start a podcast just talking about my emotional growth journey. Not some, hey, uh, I, I have a PhD from Harvard on emotional behavioral intelligence. No, no, I'm not. That's not my story. I'm not that guy. I, you know, I don't have any degrees in this stuff. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a veteran, military veteran. I'm a homeschool dad. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a veteran, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and this is how my emotional growth journey has been impacting me. So it's real, real, raw, transparent stories of my journey, of my failures, shortcomings, and successes, <laughs> um, and what I'm learning along the way. And so we started a, a, a podcast, uh, and here's, what's crazy, Joe, is we started February of 20. February of 2020, the same month, plus or minus, that COVID came out, not realizing that emotional health was going to be such a massive topic. And so we started that podcast, and it's 
you know, we, we've had, you know, a, a, I guess, a, I don't know, decent amount of success. And it was, we started as EQ for entrepreneurs. We literally just this week, Joe, we are just doing a rebrand to EQ Gangster. Now it's EQGangster.com. Um, excuse me, our podcast is EQ Gangster. And so in our membership, for those that want to be a part of a supporting, a supportive, growing, safe, trusting group of people, encouraging group of people, community that is all working on their emotional health and emotional intelligence together. It's eqgangster.com forward slash mafia. And that's our community. And that's why we started the podcast because I was like, man, I want to help out other nobles out there that have been emotionally clueless their whole lives to, to, to hopefully so they can get the same transformation in their life that, that I've been able to experience. I'm, I'm upset and, and I'm frustrated that I, that I didn't do this sooner, but I'm also thankful that I know, Joe, I know, I've heard stories, Joe, of people that are 70, 80 years old that have not talked to a sibling, have not talked to a friend for decades because they couldn't resolve that, that conflict that they had 15, 20, 30 years earlier. That's emotional intelligence. That's emotional health. If they were emotionally healthier, they would have been able to navigate some of those challenging relationship issues that we all have. And the healthier emotionally that we are, the more effective we can navigate these relationships in our lives personally and professionally. One thing you keep talking about, and I was kind of curious about, is emotional fitness journey. What was what is that like? Great, great question, Joe. You cannot become emotionally healthy by listening to a podcast episode or reading a book on emotional health. Just like you can't get in shape by listening to a fitness podcast episode or reading a fitness book. You have to you have to do the work. You've got to exercise. You have to eat right. You have to drink water. You've got to sleep right. Your, your physical fitness, there are, there are a, a handful of things that you, you know, you've got to do consistently over time to maintain your physical fitness. The same exact thing has to happen with our emotional fitness and our emotional health. It has to be an ongoing thing that, that we do implement and apply on a regular basis. And here there are three things I recommend, Joe. I call it going ape based on that, <laughs> right? Based on that, you know, that emotional 800 pound gorilla that we, most of us have, and we don't even realize that we have it, it, This is how, this is how we help that, that 800 pound gorilla start to lose weight and impact in our life is by going ape. So a is acknowledge the feelings acknowledge those feelings and emotions. Now, how do you do that? So acknowledging those feelings and emotions, there's a, there's a, a, something that you can Google today called emotion wheel, mm -hmm. emotion wheel, Google that, print that out, stick it on your desk, stick it in your refrigerator, stick it in your office, whatever. And when you acknowledge your feelings, pull that emotion wheel out. So you can also expand your emotional vocabulary. I only knew like five emotion words, angry, happy, sad, maybe three words. <laughs> I said five. I like to do three words. So acknowledge your feelings and emotions, print out that emotion wheel, use that to kind of help figure out and acknowledge what emotions your feelings. Uh, uh, P, permission. Give yourself permission to feel those emotions that you acknowledged and the A category. So acknowledge the feelings and emotions, P, permission to feel those emotions. What I recommend is it takes our bodies, and I, again, from, from my research and, and from learning from uh, 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 psychologists and psychiatrists and stuff, it takes the body 60 to 90 seconds to feel an emotion. So set your alarm. So again, the, in the permission category, set your alarm. Give yourself permission to feel for 60 to 90 seconds those emotions that you acknowledged in that first section there in the A, in the A section. Give yourself permission. So, so boom, I set my alarm for 60 seconds and I'm gonna feel, I'm gonna feel angry right now for 60 seconds. Allow yourself to feel angry for 60 seconds. 
The next emotion that you're feeling is maybe rejection because I got rejected uh, in a relationship or on a business deal or whatever, right? So, okay, I'm going to feel, set my alarm again, 60 seconds. I'm going to feel rejection for 60 seconds. And, and, and then the E is expression. So we got acknowledge, permission, E is expression. Express those emotions on paper. Write them down. Journal. Put in bullets. Make a list of all the emotions that you're feeling. In A, in the acknowledge section, in the E section, write those all down. Express them in a journal uh, or, or write them down. There's, there's, there, and there's tons of research on the, 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 the power and effectiveness and the healing that happens when you write down how you're feeling and, and your emotions and stuff. Now, here's the, here's the physiological thing, Joe, that happens when you do this in terms of an emotional fitness program. The, 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 the physiological thing, the brain is a master organizer. It's a master <laughs> filer, right? So we, the brain organizes and files millions of bits of data every single day, every day. And we don't even know what's happening. Drive it, just driving down the road. Think about the amount of stimulus that our brain is, is processing, just driving down the road at 10 miles an hour, the amount of, of, of data that's coming into our brain. So it's a master filer. So here's what happens, Joe, when the brain can't file or organize something like an emotion, what happens is the, the, the longer and the, the, the longer and the more that that the unnamed emotion is bouncing around in our brain and our body, the more stress and anxiety it's going to cause. And it's going to show up somewhere in your life. There's a book that's called The Body Keeps the Score. So mm-hmm. why, why, am I, why am I still overweight? Because I'm still, there's still more emotional stuff I've got to work through and I've got, and I've got to fix. But why, why, you know, and that's another thing too with self-awareness. Where are you feeling a particular emotion in your body? Is it in your throat? Is it in your face? Your face gets red. You, you, you tense up. You feel it in a pit of your stomach. Where are you feeling what particular emotion? So that's important as well. So, but so what happens is physiologically, when you, and there's, a, there's a, a buddy of mine, a special forces buddy of mine just taught me this. When you name an emotion, the brain can tame the emotion. But as long as you can't name or identify what that emotion is, it's going to cause stress and anxiety, which leads to a powerful quote, another quote that I love. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred. What that means is pain and bitterness that's not transformed in your life will be transferred somewhere in your life. Now, you may think, oh, noble man, you just don't know me. I can stuff and avoid. No, no, no. <laughs> that gorilla is growing. Every emotional injury that we have is feeding that emotional gorilla, and that gorilla is gaining weight and getting bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger until one day it's going to cause havoc somewhere in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, socially, financially, business-wise, it's going to show up somewhere in your life. So that emotional fitness program is something that ape, those ape exercises, listen, you can do that and incorporate those exercises every day. Every <laughs> day you get something happens, man, I'm feeling, I'm getting a little angry, a little anxious, whatever the emotion is, do, go ape, do that ape exercise, knock that out, and that will help you to begin starting getting healthier emotion. And also, uh, 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 something I also recommend, two other things. It, when you hit an emotion, and a connection that came this from a, some serious trauma in your life, get professional help, get a psychologist, get a counselor, get a therapist. Every big baller I know, LeBron James, uh, uh, Richard uh, uh, Branson, all these baller business guys, athletes, they have all kinds of coaches and counselors and therapists. They're nutritionists. They're, 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 you know, uh, they're, they're golf, they're, they're uh, golf putting coach. They're, long distance driver coach, their fitness coach, their nutritionist, they know that they need all these smart people in their life. Why doesn't the average person have smart people in their life too that can help them with their emotional, an emotional fitness trainer, not just a physical fitness trainer 
but emotional health. Because if you don't have emotional health, guess what? Your physical fitness is not, it's probably not going to go very well, right? So emotional fitness is as important as every other aspect in our life. Well, that's true. No, we're, we're, we're not, we're just, if you really need help, seek a professional counselor. We, we, that's kind of like my little thing there too. Like you said earlier, let's take out a professional if you really do need help. It's really important. There's nothing wrong with it. Some people, right. some people, especially men, I don't know why men have a problem with it. I don't need help. I don't, I can handle this. Well, that's, that's a bunch of, you know, whatever. And that's I'm like, right. it's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, you're not less, you're not less of a man if you seek help. That's right. I, I, I think, I, I think you're nuts if you don't get help. Mm-hmm. So, so what, so what's the alternative? Continue to walk around with these unproductive, unhealthy behaviors that make you miserable that you're continuing to repeat. Like some people, how many people do I know, man? How many people do I know that? Well, man, I just keep, I just keep running into the wrong type of woman, or I keep running into the wrong type of guy, or I keep, I keep self-sabotaging. Oh man, I had a PhD in self-sabotage, Joe. (laughs) Why do we repeat these behaviors? Because there's something deep emotionally that has not been healed or addressed. So, and if you can't fix it on your own, through reading books and podcasts and stuff like that, get professional help. But in addition to the professional help, start creating your own emotional fitness program on your own. I got tons of resources I share on our podcast, tons of things. Start taking ownership of your not only your physical fitness, but your emotional fitness as well. Well, it's interesting too. I like wrapping up. I, I, I usually ask final thoughts, but I, I listen to one of your podcasts and I think oh, there's a good way to end this one. Parenting, and you, it's a quote from you saying, parenting is caught more than taught. What did you mean by that? Cause I, I, I think it's true, but I want to hear you, what you have to say. So th- think about, think this is a question I love asking parents uh, where again, we do a bit, we love homeschooling and, and, you know, very involved in the homeschool community and stuff. And I love asking parents this because a lot of parents like I can never homeschool or uh, that's crazy. You know, you should never homeschool. This is what I love asking parents. What are the top three life lessons that you have learned? The top three life lessons that you've learned. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a great. So just think about that question. Top three life lessons. Okay. Number one. Number two, second question, what are the top three life lessons that you want to transfer to your children? Now, it may be the same answer as number one, and in many cases it is, but it may be different. But the question, the second question, what are the top three life lessons that you want to teach your kids? Okay, now, so those two questions. Now, let's go back up to the first question. What are the, type three, the, top, what are the top three life lessons you learned? My next question to that question is this. You tell me what class you learned that in. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of nine and a half, you never learned it from a class. You never learned it from a textbook. You never learned it from a teacher. A lot of times you learn it through through hard knocks, through, through your family. That's where a lot of times we learn those valuable, valuable life lessons. So a lot of times, the most powerful, important lessons we've ever learned have not been taught, they've been caught. Well, that's an example. I, I, mean, I used to have a great grand aunt who was a nun who, again, always helping people, always talking to people, always nice. And I watched her, and she taught me how to make scrambled eggs. And that's another thing she did. So that's she was great. Awesome. She taught me how to, how to treat people, how to play checkers, and made scrambled eggs. I learned a lot from her. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's right. Also, to where they connect, they want to reach out to you, find out more information about you in, in about your podcast. Sure. Sure, Joe. Thank you. So info. No, no, I'm sorry. Not info. So that was my old one. So the rebrand. So it's noble, N-O-B-L-E, noble at eqgangster.com. Noble at eqgangster.com. Also, our website, eqgangster.com. I'm also on, on social media, Instagram. Instagram is at the Noble Gibbons, and it's N-O-B-L-E-G-I-B-B-E-N-S. And it's also on Instagram, it's uh, EQ Gangster. And then Facebook, it's it's um, the Noble Gibbons as well on Facebook. And because again, we're in the middle of this rebrand. Now, YouTube, our YouTube channel is still under our old, well, no, no, actually, no, it's under our new name. So it's EQ Gangster. 
is our YouTube channel as well. So we just put every episode on our uh, our YouTube channel as well. So all my interviews, that kind of thing. Whether you if you like to watch it, your visual, you can watch it on on YouTube or again, otherwise it's EQ Gangster or EQGangster.com. All links will be in the show notes for this episode. I really want to thank you, Noble, for spending time today. I really do appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Big Joe. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> You're awesome, brother. <laughs> thank you. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Noble Gibbons for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about him over at EQGangster.com. And also check out his podcast there, too. You can find all links in the show notes for this episode at nosittingonthesideline.com slash one one. 113. Sometimes I keep forgetting how to say the word 113. <laughs> Pretty huge out. Leave a comment. If you have any questions, anything about the show, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Or if you want to just say hello. Because you know, sometimes connection is important. I'd like to hear from you and see how you're doing. Or just want to say, hey, listen up. I really appreciate that episode. You can find all my contact information at slash contact. If you made it this far and you really enjoyed the podcast, Please support the show by sharing or checking out the donation page. One-time donations, Patreon, Tee Public t-shirts, one-time donations. It's kind of weird even saying that, but support the show. If you can do it, I would be really appreciated. Well, final thoughts. This episode was very interesting. A little interesting conversation about boundaries, emotional intelligence, emotional injuries. I especially like the one about the apes and the, and the monkey. If you're suffering, suffering from emotional trauma from the past or mental health or depression issues, it's very important you seek help, and there's nothing wrong with it. No matter the stigma, because you're important, and everybody, if you're important, you take care of yourself. You can help others. Well, until next time, thank you for listening. Until take care, give your kids a hug, and tell them much you love them. God bless. See you.